0: the wisco <laughs> sports show and i am grand <laughs> bills and i am an orlando rca guy. he remains my guy he will always be my guy he is inevitable
1: this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host grand
0: bills Honesty time. Uh, I have something to admit. There are a lot of days, a lot of weeks, where I come in and I start this show Monday afternoon at four o'clock, and I'm thinking, shoot, 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 shoot. What are we? What are we going to talk about this week? There's nothing going on. Just some regular season Bucks and Brewers games, or maybe the Packers. Or they're on bye. I'm like, man, this is going to be a long week. Not not a lot to talk about. I got to tell you, I I have zero concern about the upcoming week because there's so much going on. And this past Saturday, two days ago Saturday, maybe one of the best sports days of 2021 so far. Weather was beautiful. So we got to enjoy the first part of the day outside. And then early in the evening, it went Brewers, Twins. The Brewers lost, but it was a great game. And then the Final Four game between Gonzaga and UCLA. Fantastic. One of the best college basketball games I've ever seen. Certainly the best of the year. That was good college basketball. I'll admit good college basketball when I see it, even as a... Sometimes college basketball hater. That was good college basketball. And then later on that night, the Bucks played the Kings. What a fun game that was. That took us right up to near midnight. Got to watch Drew Holiday bang heads with De'Aaron Fox until until midnight. I watched in bed, a, a true pleasure, start to finish on Saturday. An excellent sports day. And then we had some matinee baseball yesterday. And no race this weekend, but it's about the only thing we were missing. What an awesome weekend of sports. A lot to talk about today. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an excellent Easter weekend, whether you celebrate Easter or not. The weather was beautiful, and hopefully you're able to get outside, enjoy some sunshine, some good energy, maybe some good food, get together with family and friends for whatever reason, whether you celebrate the holiday or not. Like I said, I hope you had a great weekend. Thomas texted in right off the bat, actually right before the show started, and said, Hey, Grant, some big news came out today. The Jets traded for Sam Darnold. This happened about an hour or two ago. Yes, Thomas, you're absolutely right. That news just broke. A couple of mid-round picks, I think a second, a fourth, and a sixth uh, in 2022 that the Panthers are giving the Jets for Sam Darnold. That's another story we can throw on the pile. North Carolina has a new head coach. And, Thomas, I'm glad you text in these stories, and I'm glad you you remind me. Uh, We will be talking about the Jets trade and the UNC hire right after we get to the the latest Deshaun Watson lawsuit, uh, which should be coming up at uh, never o'clock, because I'm not talking about any of that today. I I don't care. Good for the Panthers and the Jets. They can trade uh, mediocre quarterbacks back and forth. Uh, And good for North Carolina. Roy Williams is a legend, but his career was ended by Brad Davison, which has to be just about the worst way to end a very, very successful career. I could not be me. I can't imagine Roy Williams sleeps very well at night, knowing that his last game was the Brad Davison game. But Thomas, I'm ribbing you. Thank you for, uh, for texting in and being part of the show. And you can be like Thomas. The number 608 796 2558. Text and be a part of the show if you'd like. You can also tweet at me at Wisco Grant. A lot to get to between the Brewers today. I want to talk a lot about the Brewers because we have a, a full a series to talk about. We got a, a sample size. Right after opening day, we were reacting and we we're, oh, great to have baseball back. Oh my God, what a great game. There was a walk off and Yelich did this and this guy did this and it was, it was fun. But then. I need a little bit more. I need some meat and potatoes. And now we have three games to talk about. So a little bit bigger sample size. I want to talk about the offense, the defense, the pitching, the management, everything. I want to dig into the last three games of baseball and talk about the opening series where the Brewers won one game of the three. Some positives, some negatives to take away. And we'll talk about the Brewers with David Gasper reviewing the brew, who joined us last Monday. And I thought, well, why not? We'll make it an even week. Come back and talk about the opening series and, and... kind of some opening thoughts on the Brewers. So he'll join us coming up at 5.30. I also want to talk about the Bucks because not to be outdone by the Brewers, they made some news this weekend as well. They extended Drew Holiday. Fat chunk of cash. But I think it's worth it. Uh, if you ask a lot of players in the league, coaches in the league, they say that Drew Holiday is worth it. NBA fans, our opinion is a little bit mixed. Now, as a Bucks fan, I, I probably look for the positive. Drew Holiday is really, really good. If you got overpay, all right, overpay. But then... I maybe thought that about Eric Bledsoe not too long ago as well, and that's the the trap of, of fandom. So I want to talk about all that today. Aaron Rodgers is also hosting Jeopardy, which on the affiliate, that the NBC affiliate that I watch, uh, which is WEAU, out of, I believe it's out of Eau Claire. I'm, I'm not wrong. That's out of Eau Claire, right? I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm 99% sure it's out of Eau Claire. Sometimes I watch NBC out of Rochester, but I found the stream because uh, I don't, believe it or not, I don't have rabbit ears and a TV in the studio, but I do have my laptop. So I have WEAU pulled up and obviously muted. Um, and I'm going to try to watch a little bit over commercial breaks from 4.30 to 5. It's a bummer that this show is on at the same time as Jeopardy. It's going to absolutely tank the ratings of, of Aaron Rodgers' debut on Jeopardy in the western side of the state. But, but you know, life always uh, life isn't always fair. So I'm interested to, to watch a little bit of that. And we'll talk about that later on in the show. Let's start with the Brewers. First opening series against the Twins, which is interesting in interleague rivalry. Uh, after the opening game, they didn't do so hot. They lost two to nothing on Saturday, lost eight to two yesterday. And the loss is set aside. Like, opening weekend is so much fun because although their games one, two, and three of 162, we still feel like we can't miss a single minute. Like, we need to see every inning and every pitch, and we need to see every player that enters the game as a relief pitcher or, or as a hitter. Because we feel, like we feel like we can't miss it, right? How long have we been without baseball? I really feel like it's been two years since we've had a real baseball season. So I'm even more excited this March and this April, I think more so than in the past, to sink in and watch some of these games. And I'll be honest with you, normally, especially throughout the summer, on the weekends, I like to do other things, right? I, on Friday night and on Saturday, I won't always watch the Brewers or the Bucks live. I'll probably catch up on them later in the day or on Sunday. I always want to know what's going on, and I always want to watch the game at some point, so I'm ready to talk about it on the show. But I might not watch it live because I like to do other things. Go for a hike, uh, play music. I like to go fishing, which I did a bunch of on Saturday earlier on in the day. This weekend, however, I was glued to a TV or a radio for all three of these games. Now, I found time to, to do other things earlier on in the day, but when the Brewers came out in the evening, I was watching. I was listening, or I was doing both. You know, you get the... The TV broadcast and the radio broadcast synced up. Ooh, that's good stuff. You hear Bob Euchre, but you see the game. Nothing against Brian Anderson and The Rock and Sophia. They're awesome. Um, but it's it's kind of nice to hear Bob Euchre too, especially because all of our affiliates, by the way, the Wisco Sports Show and the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, which spans from Madison to La Crosse to Eau Claire, all Brewers affiliate stations. So if you're listening to the show right now, yeah, the Brewer game, 6.05 tonight, the pregame starts. Yeah, you can hear it on this station. It's just, it's amazing listening to baseball. I have mixed feelings on listening to football and and. Other games, but baseball is just choice. And I remember last summer, opening weekend, I, I looked it up. It was the last week in July. It was July 23rd. And I remember Saturday, I wanted to go fly fishing, but I also didn't want to miss Corbin Burns' first start of the summer. It's like, well, I can't miss that. So I brought my little pocket radio with me, and I'm down near, I'm in the middle of nowhere, kind of down in between Veroqua and Westby, back in the woods in this creek. And it's like 95 degrees. It was such a terrible day to go fishing. I don't know what I was thinking. But I have my little pocket radio clipped to my shoulder so I can hear the staticky voice of, of Bob Euchre as Corbin Burns. I think the Brewers won that game. I don't know if Corbin Burns is great, but if I remember correctly, they won that day, right? So I'll, I'll always be plugged in for the opening weekend, even if I'm out and about or, or doing other things. And I watched or listened to all three of the games this weekend, and a few things jumped out to me. You know, I like to list off a bullet a list of bullet points. Like Here are my takeaways. Really only have two. Let's talk about the pitching and let's talk about the offense. That's a good place to start, right? I want to mostly talk about Saturday and Sunday's games. We talked about opening day. I, I think that game is, is kind of the outlier. Like you treat that game a little bit differently. And once we got into game two, three, and as we get to four, five, six against the, the Cubs starting tonight, we kind of get in more of a groove. That opening day is a little bit of an outlier. So let's start with the weekend game, Saturday and Sunday, both of which the Brewers lost. Neither of which were were very close. Saturday was one of the wilder baseball games I've seen in a while. Burns versus Berrios was uh, it was pretty awesome. And the game was quick, which I love, right? Because sometimes when I'm watching the Brewers, it feels like work. Or if I'm in the studio making sure the Brewers broadcast goes okay, like that's work. So if it moves along quickly, I'm not going to complain. And this game flew, right? Berrios went six endless innings, 12 strikeouts. Burns went six and a third. He gave up the solo shot, but that was it. He had 11 strikeouts. You really don't see games like that anymore. Right, and I love a, a classic pitcher's duel. And they're rare these days. I love it less when my team's offense is one hit and shutout. <laughs> but, I, but I do love a pitcher's duel, even if it means my offense, the Brewer's offense, stinks. And one of the most memorable Brewer games of my entire life was the Giovanni Gallardo-Chris Carpenter duel Memorial Day 2009. And I remember that game because it was, I, I was glued to the TV and it was nuts, but also because my team won. Bill Hall had the go-ahead double, I think, in the 10th or the 11th inning. Right, and I remember that game because my team won. Otherwise, it might get lost in my memory as that one game where nobody could hit the ball and you know the game was done in, in two and a half hours. I love a good pitcher's duel, but we don't get him very often anymore. Now, Burns is great. Problem is the Brewers' offense couldn't do anything for him because Barrios and the Twins' bullpen was tremendous. Omar Narvaez was the only guy to get a hit. Not going to win very many games like that. Even yesterday... Like, I thought my guy Adrian Hauser was fine. And we'll hear from Craig Council in about 10 minutes. He said the, basically the exact same thing, right? Hauser, five innings pitched, two earned runs, four strikeouts, two walks. That's not a bad start. Because you remember last year, Woodruff didn't get off to a great start. Burns didn't get off to a great start. Peralta, it took a while to find his role. It's difficult to judge players on the opening series, especially pitchers, right? Hitters, I, I get a little beef with Keston here right now with the understanding that we've only played three games, I don't really have beef with pitchers. These pitchers take time to get in their rhythm, to get in their schedule of I'm going to go every two days or every three days or if you're a starter, every four or five. It takes a while to, to to get these pitchers in a groove. Hitters, I'm a little bit less patient. right? But Adrian Hauser, for his first start, and the first start in a season in which he's going to be a, assumedly, a locked and loaded pitcher in the rotation all the time, which he's been a guy to go back and forth. The last couple of seasons, a little bit in the pen, a little bit in the rotation, move back and forth, use them in different roles. That's that's challenging for a pitcher to always be moving around. And Hauser, this season, is starting in the rotation. We assume that he's going to stay in the rotation. And for that to be his first outing, five innings pitch, two earned runs against a really good Twins offense, I'll take it. I'll be, I'm okay with that. Brent Suter and J.P. Eisen were good in relief as well. And it's weird because the Brewers went all weekend without using Devin Williams, right? Because they only led... They only led in the first game. They never led. They walked it off, right? Think about that. They never led yesterday. They lost 8-2. to They never led on Saturday. They were shut out. And then on opening day, they were trailing all the way until the ninth, which is when they tied it. And then they got into the 10th, and they walked it off. So other than Hader, whose sole job on Friday or on Thursday, opening day, my bad, his only job was to just hold on, just keep it tied, get us to the bottom of the inning. Other than that, the Brewers didn't trail. So you have these high-leverage relievers like Devin Williams who weren't really called into action. Very interesting opening series. And Craig Counsel speaks to Adrian Hauser. He speaks to their desire and their need to get off to faster starts. We'll hear from him in about 10 minutes, like I said. I do want to talk about the offense before we take our first break, though. Everything I say on today's show in regards to the Brewers, a little disclaimer, I understand they've only played three games. I understand that anything I say is addressing a very small sample size. So don't text me, don't tweet me, be like, you're overreacting, they've only played three games. I know, I know they've only played three games, but I got two hours and I want to talk about the Brewers. So to just ignore everything because they've only played three games, well then what are we doing here? Why are we doing a sports show? That would be very lame. We have a rule that we can't talk about the Brewers until they played 10 games, that'd be lame. So I understand when, when I'm frustrated about the offense, when I'm frustrated about a certain hitter, I understand they've only played a couple of games. But a couple of games is what we have to go on. So that's what we're going to talk about. And in three games so far, they've scored five runs, zero runs, and two runs. Not great. And on Thursday, four of those runs came in the ninth and the tenth. So if uh, I don't remember who the outfielder was in right field, and Yelich's line drive went in and out of his glove, which allowed the inning to continue. If that catch is made, the Brewers might only score one run on opening day. So we're talking about one run, zero runs, and two runs which would be bad. And yes, it's a small sample size. It's not the end of the world. But for example, if you take the average so far through three games, their average run per game is 2.3, which isn't good, especially granted that a lot of those runs on opening day came late and not fluky. I'm not saying they're fluky, but it's not like that was a solid offensive day. It just wasn't a good offensive series, right? And forget about the run totals for a second. Forget about five runs, zero runs, two runs. It's just how the offense looked. They're very disjointed. Like, did they have one big hit? I tweeted yesterday at Wisco Grant, like the Brewers are allergic to getting just one, parenthesis, one, parenthesis, big hit. And sure, the Shaw double on opening day. that's There's your big hit. But other than that, right, all of these runs have come in really underwhelming fashion. This is how the scoring went on Thursday. Shaw walked in a run. Narvaez singled in a run, and another runner got thrown out at home. Yuck. Yelich hit a deep single, which knocked in a run, but that ball easily could have been caught. Some would argue should have been caught. And then in extras, Arcia, who I love, Grounded into a fielder's choice. Not exactly inspiring. Right? The scoring on Saturday. There was none. So moving along to Sunday. He had a Pena sacrifice fly and a Jackie Bradley Jr. Solo home run with nobody on bases. That's, yes, that's what a solo shot means. And the Brewers were down 6-1. to one. Point me to the moment that, that was supposed to inspire me this weekend. Right? To, to Point out the moment that this offense was supposed to blow me away. There isn't one. Right? The Brewers are scoring here, a tiny bit here, a tiny bit there. It's, it's not enough. Right, it, it felt very similar to last summer. Right, they'll score a run here and there, but they, they just can't put together runs in bunches like some of these other offenses. And I, what I thought of is, it's like if you're going out to drink with your friends, right, and you're you're planning on a crazy Friday night. And you really want to get after it. You want to go to a couple of places and you want to be out late and you're looking to celebrate or have a blast. Right, you can drink light beer, or you could just get just get on with it and get on the liquor. Right, and like you can reach peak party level. If you want to have a great time with your friends you can drink light beer but it takes a while gotta to have to you know have quite a few and then you're gonna deal with hiccups and might feel bloated and like oh my stomach doesn't hurt and there's spillage because there's so many cups and there's the foam right if you're trying to have a, a fun party it'd just be much more efficient to just go to the bar and say i'll have a liquor coke i'll have I'll just have some some give me the real stuff right it's faster it's simpler it's less work to me the brewer's offense right now is you know it's it's cups of light beer it's watery and it's great and here and there it'll do the trick, but sometimes you just need something a little stronger and sacrifice flies and singles and fielder's choices and solo shots when your team's getting killed. that that's, that's light beer. It's good, I'll take it, but sometimes you need a little bit more and the Brewers couldn't find that little bit more in opening weekend. Reminded me of last season. I know it's only three games, but what are we doing if we're not going to talk about those first three games, right? That's why we're here. I want to move on over here from Craig Council. I thought he made a couple really interesting points yesterday, and I want to address those and keep talking about opening series. And then at 4.30, let's switch over to the Bucs because they extended their point guard, Drew Holiday, and that's a really, really big deal. A lot of good stuff to talk about today. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: go sports show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an excellent holiday weekend. Whether you celebrate the Easter holiday or not, it was beautiful. And I know people are getting vaccinated and numbers are down. So maybe we're actually able to see some family. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. Glad to be back. A lot to talk about between the Brewers and the Bucks. And then there's just all this random, like random news today. Like Sam Darnold got traded to the Panthers because sure, And Jeff Gladney, the Vikings corner, is in jail now on what seems to be kind of a nasty assault charge related to his family, right? And then Deshaun Watson has another lawsuit or something. And Dan texts in and says, Hey, lest us not forget the UW Women Volleyball. They're the number one seed going into the tournament. Dan, I'm not going to lie to you. I had zero idea that that's the case, but good for them. And congrats. And go volleyball because I love all sports, but I just can't watch them all. I can't talk about them all. So congrats, ladies Do us proud. That's the extent of my Wisconsin volleyball talk. I should have Zach Heilpern on at the end of this week and just grill him on Badger volleyball and Badger hockey and see if he can hold his own. Now, he's a true professional, so he would. um, But I I would just love to challenge him. You know, good uh, mental exercise for Zach. Uh, Speaking of other, other sports that I know nothing about, Greg in Eau Claire says, I would love to hear your picks for the Masters this weekend. Greg from Eau Claire. Greg, I know that you're a golf fan. Uh, because you are a, you're a texter that I, you know, you're a friend of show. I know, and you know that I know nothing about golf. So this text is in and of itself a troll to me and I will not pay it any mind, right? As Lucille Bluth said in Arrested Development, I won't, uh, I won't respond to the question. I don't hear the question. I won't respond to it. And I botched that quote, but you get my point. Greg, why don't you text your picks in and I will read them on air because you know much more about golf than me and you know that, which is... What's making this conversation funny? 608-796-2558, the talking Text Line, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's talk a little bit more about the Brewers before getting into the Bucks and Drew Holiday, coming up at 4.35. Uh, all of our David Gasper fans, our Gasper heads, we need to come up with a name. Uh, he will join us at 5.30 to talk more Brewers. So we're not, uh, not going away from the Brewers completely, but I do want to change gears and do Bucks coming up in about 10 minutes. This opening series felt a lot like last season. Like, starting pitching was pretty good, but not perfect, right? The offense couldn't do a gosh darn thing, so the relief pitching really didn't matter because you're down two three runs. What Hater can strike out every batter he faces. If they can't score runs, it doesn't matter. And it, it was painful last summer, and there was a, a certain level of pain this weekend, too. And I don't know what else Craig Council is supposed to do, right? If the starters are good and the bullpen is handling things, you just need the bats to get going, right? And you can only do so much. Now, maybe that... Hitting coach makes some adjustments and Council's never afraid to mix the lineup up, so I, I never doubt him in in that regard. I just haven't been able to put up the runs at a good clip, and that can be a, a pretty helpless feeling. So I thought we would listen to a couple of tidbits from Craig Council. This audio always provided by our friend Zach Heilprin at the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network, um, and I thought we could check out a couple of these answers. He started by talking about Adrian Hauser, and I, in in my totem pole of of Brewers that I that I plant my flag on is a corner cornerstones of this show of our Brewers coverage. Orlando RC obviously, Craig Council obviously. Um but Adrian Hauser's one for the last couple of months. I I'm excited about him. I don't think he's going to be Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, but I think he can be a really really solid pitcher. And if he can be a really solid pitcher, that's a big boost to this team because you have three guys then that you're confident in with Woody, Burns, And Hauser, and then whatever you get from Peralta, icing on the cake. Whatever you get from Brett Anderson, icing on the cake. If you have a one, two, three that you like and never have to worry about, oh, it's so much better than simply Burns and Woody. And then you know we'll see. And I thought Hauser was pretty good yesterday. I mentioned it to start the show. Five innings. Uh, Well, now I'm looking at it. Hold on, I lost it here. Yep, five innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts, two walks. That's that's fine. That's that's enough. And I know the Brewers got blown out in essence, eight to two, but. Craig was defending him after the game. He's like, I thought Adrian was okay.
1: I, I thought Adrian pitched well. You know, it's like you said. I mean, the guy that gave us trouble all day was Arias, really on base all day, and he's he's a tough, tough leadoff hitter. So, you know, that was he was he started it off good, but he Adrian did a nice job. He he gave us a chance. I was I was
0: happy with it. Gave us a chance. I really I really like that way of thinking about it because that's that's a great standard with which to measure starting pitchers, right? If a starting pitcher exits the game and you think, all right. All right, we're in position. They put us in a good spot, right? Even even if you're down a run or even if it's tied or if you're up a run, like if you feel good about your chance to win the game when the starting pitcher exits, that's a successful start, right? That's a, that's a quality start. Now, even if it doesn't go five innings, so even if the, the pitcher isn't in line for the win, or I don't know what the quality start is. Is it five innings and three earned runs or less or something? I got to switch my brain back into baseball mode because I got to know these things throughout the season. But if, if the starting pitcher exits and you think, hey, good enough, we have a chance, we could do this, then that's a, that's a good start. I'll take that. And that's kind of, by definition, what they got from Adrian Hauser yesterday. Their offense just stunk, right? And I think Woody, Burns, Hauser, if these guys can, can give you an outing and leave the game and, and Bruce fans can say, hey, we're, we're right there, we're in a good spot, hey, I'll take it. It doesn't need to be seven shutout innings. And it's not going to be seven shutout innings because, you know, council doesn't really manage that way. He also, counsel, stressed the idea of getting off to a really good start, which is something they struggled with last year, too, and I was hoping we wouldn't have to talk about this again, but through three games, here we are.
1: Look, we ran into a great pitching performance yesterday. We've got to do a better job against starting pitchers. Our starters pitched pitch pretty good. We just we couldn't get a lead ever. We didn't have a lead ever after a starting pitcher came out of the game, so we got to do a little better against their starters more than anything. It's kind of how I'd characterize it.
0: Got to be better against starting pitching an angle that I didn't really consider. Not even last year when they were miserable against starters. They couldn't, like, th- think about last season. Mentally, go back to last season. And if you weren't listening to the show at this time last year, I'll i will reiterate. I always joked last season that a Brewers game really didn't start until they were down 0-2. to two. That right there, you need no other explanation for how slowly the Brewers started games last year. And I don't want that to become a theme into this season. It was this weekend. It's only three games. Just just looking at the evidence we have. Small sample size, but it's a sample size nonetheless. Finally, Craig Council builds off this idea. Playing from behind is never ideal, obviously, because when an opposing team is ahead, they can call all the shots, they can run their bullpen and dictate the terms of the game moving forward. Council kind of elaborates on this idea.
1: The starter leaves a game and, you have, and you're trailing, you're going to get... You know that they're going to be able to line up their bullpen the way they want it. So that that's not necessarily a formula for success. So we've I'd say early in the game we could, you know we got to put some more pressure and we got to just score runs earlier in the game.
0: I mean that's what the Brewers want to do. They want to get to a lead and get to the seventh inning because then they have Williams Hater. They have all their guys, right? That's the Brewers' mo: get a lead and get into your bullpen. That's really hard to do if you can't score until the fifth or the sixth inning. Because even if Burns throws a no hitter into the sixth or the seventh. If you can't score, who cares, right? It takes one bad pitch. It takes one home run, which Burns gave up, and you're down one nothing, and the game's falling apart. Got to get out to a better start. You got to be better against starters. And I don't know how the Brewers do that, but that's an improvement they have to make from last year to this year. And there's lots of time. I think over the course of a full 162-game season, that's a lot easier to do than in a small, crappy 60-game sample size. Let's take a break. I want to get into the Bucks. Drew Holiday is extended it was great Easter news yesterday. I tweeted sarcastically, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Obviously, Easter isn't Jesus' birthday. That would be Christmas, but a little humor. Follow me at Wisco Grant. More of the Wisco Sports Show talking bucks coming up next.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. I'm bummed that I can't watch Aaron Rodgers host Jeopardy today. I saw a minute or two over the commercial break. We have a TV right outside the lobby, which is right outside the door of the studio. This knucklehead thought that uh, Maryland was named after Queen Elizabeth back in the day. No, 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 no. That would be Virginia because back in those days, they were just obsessed with virginity or purity or whatever. I love Jeopardy. I always used to watch it with my grandparents and how that Aaron Rodgers hosting, I just... Stinks, I got to miss it. We got bigger and better things to talk about. Drew Holiday is going to be a buck for the next couple of years. Uh, We got to get into that. We got to spend some time on that. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. And if you'd like to tweet at me, you can. You can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. And I got a very helpful, supportive tweet over that last break uh, from E-Man. He said, six innings, three earned runs, or less MLB quality start. I thought that it would be five innings, three earned runs, or less. Because you what's funny is you could you could technically collect a win in Major League Baseball without having a quality start, right? Because you just got to go five innings. So a quality start, the length standard is even higher than the standard for a win, which was weird, and, and maybe at some point they change it because starting pitchers just aren't going the distance like they used to. Man, if the Brewers have a, a starter that goes six innings, that's that's a rarity. I, I think there's there are Brewer games where a pitcher goes five, five and two-thirds, where I'm like, hey, great start, awesome start, quality start, even if by the book it's not technically a quote-unquote Quality start. Appreciate the tweet, Eman at Wisco Grant. I want to talk about the Drew Holiday contract because although the Brewers are back and Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy, and I don't know Deshaun Watson is still Deshaun Watson, this is still the biggest story of the weekend, in my opinion. And I want to talk about this contract. But before we talk about the contract itself, I actually want to go back to Saturday night's game because Saturday night's game is important in this story. The Drew Holiday story, quote unquote, what did it? 18 hours long between Saturday night's game and the extension announced on Sunday. It's a very entertaining 18 hours, right? And it, it's kind of spooky, reminds me of Eric Bledsoe and what happened a couple of years ago. Has a great game out on the West Coast and they extend him the next day. Now, I like Drew Holiday a lot more as a player. He's a lot better player than Eric Bledsoe, but it, it, it kind of followed that mold, right? The Drew Holiday extension that came Sunday wasn't a coincidence. He was unreal on Saturday. He was great. He was fantastic. It was a late game against Sacramento. My Kings, my Western Conference team, who I normally watch late at night anyways because I, I watch the Bucks or I watch the Brewers or I'm doing stuff in the evening. And then before bed at like 10, I was like, well, you know, what what West Coast game can I watch the end of? And normally it's the Kings because the Kings are always playing at like 9 p.m. and no one's watching them because no one cares. So I watched De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton and Rashawn Holmes is kind of a bucket, the push shot, one of the best shots in basketball. right? They were playing late in Sacramento after the Brewers and I watched the game in bed. It was, it was incredible. I mean, that's just a perfect way to to wrap up a, a long day of watching sports is to then get in bed with your laptop and watch one more NBA game before head hits the pillow before you go off and, and go to sleep. And Giannis didn't play in this game. So you know how this goes. You know the drill, right? Every time Giannis misses a game, it's like, well, who can step up and be number one? Who really takes over and who really takes command? And it's basically every time Giannis misses a game, we expect Middleton to go for 40, and when he doesn't, We kill him for it because he's not a true number two because a true number two can step up and be a one in the absence of a number one, which is kind of stupid logic, but that's always the standard. Giannis misses a game. Middleton's got to be incredible, and if he doesn't score 40, it's a failure, and we got to talk about it for a week, and Chris Middleton is not without sin this season. The last couple of weeks have, have irked me with Chris Middleton. But I think the standard sometimes that we put on him, I think sometimes it's a little bit unfair, especially when Giannis misses games. But that's the standard that we put on games like last night. However, the difference between last night or Saturday night and the last two years is that Drew Holiday is in town. And Drew Holiday took over. He was insane. 33-7-11, three steals. And that line doesn't even really do him justice because if you watched this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of you didn't because it's the Kings and it's Saturday night, he popped up off the screen. He was dominant. Like, he, if, you, if you had never watched basketball before and you were watching this game, you'd think, okay, who's that guy? Who, who, who is he? Because he's, he's the best player on the court and he's doing things that nobody else on the court is doing. He looked like he was playing at a different speed, especially on defense. And I say this honestly, as someone who watches a lot of NBA games, I don't know that I've been wowed by an NBA player's on-ball defense. Because what, what the Bucks do and the way that they defend, especially at the top of the key, is they'll go under screens, right? They won't switch. They'll just go under. And they play this drop defense, which which kind of is intertwined with the way that they go under screens. And they end up giving a lot of open threes at the top of the key off the dribble because the defender will go behind the screen, which gives the ball handler, who's coming around the screen, gives that shooter a split second to get a shot off if they'd like. Drew Holiday was getting over screens like, like what I see in the WEAC, When you watch Platteville play Stevens Point and you have these dudes that are just flying over screens, which is a level of defense you don't really see in the NBA, at least in the regular season. Drew Holiday was jumping off the screen and I watched a lot of NBA games and I don't know that I've been wowed by an NBA player's on-ball defense like this in a while. I'm sure it's happened and I'm sure it's happened in moments in playoff games, but he was everywhere and he was tasked with guarding De'Aaron Fox, who might be one of the tougher guards in the league right now. And, and De'Aaron Fox got his. He had, I think, 27 points. Let me double check. Yeah, 27 points. He's great. But Drew made him work. Drew made him work really hard. And De'Aaron Fox is fast. He's not an easy man to keep up with. And Drew stayed in front of him and was flying around and was getting over screens and was helping off of switches and active hands, tipping the ball every which way and picking the pocket of, of the opposing point guard. Like I said, he had three steals. Drew made him work, and it was fun to watch. And a small side note to last Saturday's game before we talked contract. Uh, of course, the former Raptor, Terrence Davis, went off for 27 because that's what the Raptors do. They are just a thorn in the side of the Bucks, Isn't that great? Drew, wow, to all Bucks fans, kind of proved that he's capable of taking over. The quote after the game, he's like, I wasn't going to let us lose tonight. I did not want to let us lose. And it was really, really impressive, especially when compared to Chris Middleton. Now, Chris Middleton finished okay. He had a respectable 16 points. But Chris Middleton through the first three quarters was one of 11 with seven points and was turning the ball over ever, dribbling off his knee and trying to spin moves that he just, no. He finished 4 of 16 and 1 of 5 from 3, which is really bad. But the 16, the, the total 16 points at the end looks a little bit better than, than what you would if you only looked at the box score through the first three quarters. And it was in that environment, right, that comparison to Chris Middleton who was struggling to take over the game, that Drew Holiday really, really shined. And then the extension on Sunday morning comes into play. I was driving, uh, driving home from getting coffee, buzzed my phone, Shams Sharania had the report, and I, yes, yes, yelling in my car, like Jim Nance calling a buzzer beater, yes, oh, yes. Because remember, they gave up the farm to get Drew Holiday. Bunch of first-round picks, couple of players for one year to essentially rent him. And then they were able to lock him up before he ever hits free agency, so that investment won't be a a one-year short-term rental-type player, which is great. Now, the contract, the details, four years, four years. $160 $160 million, dollars. the extension lasts through the 2024-2025 season. Right now, Eric Name did some pretty good reporting on this, The Athletic, he covers the Bucks. He did some digging and, and found some contractual details. So $25 million of that is bonus money and incentives, some of which are, are odds-on to hit, uh, some of which aren't. So $135 million of this contract is guaranteed. There's also a player option in the final year. So if he wanted to get out in the last year, he could. So 160 that pops off the screen a little bit. You go, wow, that's $40 million a year. That's a lot of money. Well, it's a little bit less than that. He can earn some of that through incentives, which are playoff-based, which would be great for the Bucs. So if they overpay for great playoff performances, I think it's, it's money well spent. A lot of NBA fans, people like me and others, mostly casuals, right? We're debating whether or not he's overpaid, right? That's the debate. And that debate takes place between fans. Oh, overpaid. Oh, it's too much. Well... You know, once again, Eric Name did a pretty good job of compiling some endorsements of Drew Holiday from his peers, other players, coaches like Brad Stevens. This is the quote from earlier this season. I want to read it for you because it's really complimentary. And as a Bucks fan, I, I will ignore anything that's not complimentary on a day like today. He says, you can feel it on the court in the first game, but obviously it's gotten even better. You might have seen the impact as much as anything when he's available, right? the way that he can play on both ends of the floor. He's obviously a physical guard. He can drive the ball. He shoots it. He can create separation to shoot it. He finishes. He's a great cutter. That's something that probably people don't talk about enough. That's huge with Giannis's ability to pass, both in isolation and in the post. It made Drew an even more seamless fit, in my opinion, when this trade happened. And then, on the other end, he's elite. And I don't use that word loosely. I think he's one of the best defenders in the league, and I think that you know that from just watching it, which is what I just said. But you... You know it even more when you hear players talk about it. When you hear some of the best players talk about him, he's very well respected every which way. I I like his mention about cutting because Drew Holiday gets buckets in the paint. And it's not just because he puts his head down and gets bullied, you know, or bullies and plays bully ball to get to the rim. He's always flashing and making himself available, which the Bucs need more of. The Bucs are not the Heat or the Raptors in that regard. Offense can get a little stagnant, right? So Brad Stevens with the big endorsement. You can find quotes from the last year or two from Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Damian Lillard. He's a tough, tough guy to play against because he's so, so good on defense. Read a lot of endorsements the last 24 hours about what players and coaches and other people in the league have said about him. Because if you ask most casual NBA fans, I, I don't know if they have a good handle on Drew Holiday because he's, he's played in some pretty nondescript locations on some pretty nondescript teams. And I think this is awesome that he is healthy and he's on the Bucks and he has a chance to be a huge factor in what we hope to be a deep playoff run. Right? Drew Holiday is going to have a lot to say about that. I also worry about this deal slightly. Let me me say this. I 100% am glad the Bucks did this deal. I would have done it too without even questioning it. Now, there is a chance, even with the best-seeming players and the best-seeming contracts, that things could go south. This also has scary shades of Eric Bledsoe, right? Remember, with Bled, they had all these upcoming free agents. They re-signed Bledsoe in the middle of the year for what we thought to be a discount deal, but then we later learned that it was still way too much, and it was before they ever got to the postseason. Then he got to the postseason and Eric Bledsoe was was well, he was just a turd because that's you know what he does in the postseason. He just plays like a turd. He was just a
1: turd out there. You know, you couldn't kick and you couldn't run, you, couldn't you know. Shoot, you
0: couldn't dribble. You're just a, a turd. You just a turd. Now, I, I suppose there is a universe in which Drew Holiday gets to the postseason and melts down and looks terrible, and we thought, oh my god, what did we do? But I think that that is such a, a negligible concern. Drew Holiday has been fantastic in the postseason. And when he came to Milwaukee, one of the big talking points on this show, I remember talking about it. I said, look, regular season might not make a huge difference. It'll make a difference, but maybe maybe not huge. Maybe we'll jump off the page. But in the postseason, he has been so, so, so good and so much better than Eric Bledsoe has ever aimed to be or dreamed to be in the postseason. And that's what they're paying for. And that's what they have paid for for the next couple of years with this extension of four years, $160 million, although about 135, $125 or 135 is guaranteed The rest of it is, you know, maybe get it, maybe don't. So maybe that number, you get some sticker shock. Maybe not as big as you originally thought. Let's take a break. I'm going to watch a little bit of Jeopardy with Aaron Rodgers for the next three minutes. And when we come back, I want to talk more baseball. Not the Brewers, though. Two other baseball games that I watched this weekend. And I love some things that I saw. I hate some things that I saw. We'll have that conversation coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Appreciate you hanging out. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you want to tweet me, And be part of the show. The talk and text line is always open as well. 608-796-2558. Coach Wench says, I don't know where Brewers fans think the runs are going to come from. Your two pickups this offseason are Wong and Bradley. They both hit two forty. Arceus stinks. Easy. Easy. And your catchers can't hit. Kane's better days are behind him. And if Yelich and Hira don't hit, they won't score much. Well, Coach Wench, to play devil's advocate, I've been told that batting average doesn't matter which is a uh, logic that I abide by only when it suits my narrative. And in this narrative, it suits me. So batting average doesn't matter. So don't tell me about, don't tell me about batting average. Um, I don't think Arceus stinks. He has his good days and his bad. And I catchers can't hit. I mean, most catchers can't hit. I think Narvaez is offensively better than most, and Manny Pena is good enough. Your point about Yelich and Kane is the point. If those two can't drive the offense, right, the, the rest is, is details. Like Colton Wong's pr- pretty good. He had a rough opening weekend. Right. Jackie Bradley Jr. is, is, is OK. He's good. Right. They, they got stabilizing pieces. They got the pieces to get on base, to, to have a, a two of four night with a couple of singles. What the Brewers need is for their offensive powerhouses to produce runs. Yelich and Hira. That did not happen on opening weekend at all. So I agree with you there, Coach Wench. I disagree with the 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 level of, of play from everybody else. But you're spot on with Yelich and Hira. If those two don't produce runs, it's going to be like last summer. Now, there might be more runners on base. Might be a little bit more uh, action. But I don't know if there are going to be any more runs because they need a Yelich in here to produce those runs. So I'm, I'm with you. And we're going to talk more about that coming up later on in the show. I do want to talk a little bit more about baseball. Two other games that happened this weekend that I found to be very interesting. Something you may or may not know about me is, and this isn't related to baseball. We're going to get right back into it. I, I, don't, watch, I don't watch movies. It's not really my thing. Like, I just, I don't enjoy it. I don't like committing myself for two plus hours to something that I don't even know if I'll like. Like, I watch sports, I watch shows, I listen to my podcasts, my radio shows, but I'm not a movie guy. But last night, I did it. I set aside a couple of hours and I watched with two friends, I watched Godzilla versus Kong. It was dope and it needs no explanation. Like, if you want to watch Godzilla fight King Kong, this is the movie for you. If you don't, then don't watch it. It could not be a more self-explained movie. It was dope. But as soon as the movie ends, I hop on Twitter, and I realized I missed i missed Sunday Night Baseball. And you might be thinking, Grant, why does that matter? Sunday Night Baseball blows, and it's not a good product. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree with you. But I guess, like, everyone was watching Sunday Night Baseball last night. It was the Angels and the White Sox, and I guess everyone was dialed in, and I was the only one who was missing it. And I got FOMO, fear of missing out, as the youngs say, as the younger people say. And I was watching Godzilla versus Kong. I was watching a giant dragon dinosaur fight a giant monkey, which is great, but I was less enthusiastic about it when I realized what I had missed, and that was Shohei Otani doing insane things. Yeah, I'm sure you saw the stat, but if you didn't, I want to share it with you because it's fascinating. Shohei Otani has thrown the fastest pitch of any starting pitcher so far in this early season, and he also has the hardest hit home run of the season by any player. That's 100.6 miles per hour on the pitch, and 115.2 miles per hour on the exit velocity. Talk about an advanced statistic that we always value on this show. Coach Wench, batting average may come and go, but exit velo, that's that's here to stay, my friend. And you can just hear it. Listen to this swing. First pitch swinging. Oh,
2: and first pitch
0: crushing. Oh, man. Lean into it. Now, listen, listen to the space, though, in this highlight. There's 13 seconds left of this cut. No one says anything. Keeps going. Gonna Nothing. Nothing. One. There, nothing it angels. there it is. There it is. There is a time and place to let a call breathe, but when there's no fans in the stands, maybe maybe provide a little bit of a follow. But show. Listen to that hit. First pitch swinging. Oh, <laughs> and first pitch. Yeah, he uh he sent that thing to. I don't. I don't know my. I don't know my geography at all like if I was in Milwaukee and somebody did that I'd say he hit that pert near to Kenosha but I don't I don't know what's close to Anaheim I don't have a I don't have a geographical landmark but like I missed Shoei Otani last night which is frustrating and I guess we also started a debate on the dropped third strike rule which I hate to miss out on the start of a good debate I like being there when it's born I like being there at the, the ground zero of controversy if you will so I really feel invested in it and I got there late I got there last night I go on Twitter and I realized that everybody's ticked. They're like, oh, worst rule in sports. The rule where if the catcher can't hold on to the third strike, right, some runners can advance and runners can get to first. And I, I, think it's, I think it's dumb. I never felt strongly about it. I think it's dumb, but there's a lot of sports rules that I think are dumb that I'm not angry about. Maybe I should be angry about this one because I'd be 100% okay with getting rid of that rule. Like, well, if you strike out, you strike out, right? You don't get to go to first. It's very odd to me. Now, if a catcher can't control it, okay, well, then I think baseball – the runners on the bases, the base runners should be able to do something, but the hitter struck out. Sit out. So I missed that yesterday, and then I also missed. Although I don't really feel bad about this one, I missed the Reds and the Cardinals. The Reds won twelve to one, and Nicholas Castellanos, the Tom Brenneman Castellanos. yeah, swinging a drive by Castellanos. that'll make it a four-one ball game. He flexed in somebody's face, I guess, and then Yadier Molina naturally got really upset because. They're stuck in 1860 in St. Louis. I don't really care about the fight. It was announced that Castellanos was suspended today for two se- or two games, which I think is really dumb. Like, Molina grabbed him around the neck. I don't know why then he doesn't get suspended, but God forbid we should ever. Yadier Molina's the worst, okay? There I said it. Like, I just hate how they get offended by everything. The, the re- Here's here's the take. Ready for this? The Cardinals started cancel culture, right? This started in St. Louis with... Tony La Russa and the best fans in baseball and the play the game the right way, they started cancel culture. If you're all hot and bothered about cancel culture these days, don't blame the mainstream media and the woke journalist field. You blame the St. Louis Cardinals because they started cancel culture. It was in full display this weekend. They're all upset because they got beat 12 to 1. And Castellanos flexed. God forbid an athlete should ever do that. I flex every morning in the mirror. and I'm weak as hell. Imagine if I was built like Castellanos. I'd want to do the same thing cancel culture it started in st louis folks my point being i bring this up because i think it would be awesome if we got like a cardinals reds like they hate each other rivalry type thing going on this year i think that would be awesome I, re- I really hope we get a nasty rivalry between the cubs and the cardinals or the cardinals and the reds the, the cubs i don't know what their deal is but cardinals and reds i'm all down for like a really angry upset rivalry between those teams i think that would be a a lot of fun We're going to talk more about that, hopefully, as the summer goes on. Let's take a break. Back into the Brewers. We'll speak with David Gasper coming up after 5 o'clock as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Brewers Cubs that series starts tonight, and that Brewers Cubs game can be heard on every single one of our stations. So in Eau Claire on Sports Talk one hundred five one, the Zone in Madison, KTY here in Lacrosse six hundred five pregame, six forty first pitch. Brewers Cubs. By the way, not the I ninety four rivalry. No one calls it that. As I tweeted out, that name is reserved for. The rivalry between UW Stout and UW Eau Claire, which is the war on 94, which is a much better name and a name that people actually use, unlike this forced I-94 rivalry that we always try to do with the Cubs and the Brewers. National Championship game tonight as well. Closing thoughts on maybe the National Championship game. We'll talk a little Packers and Aaron Rodgers, but first, first, David Gasper reviewing the Brew. David, it is excellent to hear your voice. I hope you enjoyed opening weekend. It was, I mean, they lost the the two or three, but... I'll I'll still take it. It's still a positive experience, right? It's just nice to have the game back.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And being there on opening day, I was there for the best game of the three, Um, although the pitching duel on Saturday night was pretty fun to watch from home. But, uh, yeah, it was just good to be back and good to have baseball uh, back in our lives.
0: Did you wear a suit? Did you get dressed up? Or were you there as a fan? You You didn't weasel your way into the press box?
2: No, no, I, I was there as a fan. I, I was wearing my uh, Corbin Burns jersey,
0: you know, just good, good. doing as I do. I, I wouldn't want you on the show if you were in the press box, by the way. That was, a, that was a test. I'm glad to hear that you went as a fan. That makes you <laughs> that, make, that makes a better guest. Gasper, we were talking a little bit about Jeopardy, and this is something that I wanted to ask you because I know you have a wealth of, of random brewers' knowledge like I do. Um, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy a little bit, and I was thinking today, if there was one brewer – who could ever, like, be a really good contestant or a really good host on Jeopardy? I was trying to think of who it was, and I wanted to ask you one caveat. You can't say Brent Suter because I think that's, like, the obvious oh, answer right maybe. now. I know. I know. you got to think out of the yeah. box a little bit. Anybody else come to mind?
2: Uh, as a host or, or as a
0: contestant? Either for, one. I, I, I think I think the host is an interesting position. I was trying to think of a Brewer, and I, I couldn't think of one. Yeah. Um, Brent Suter would be the I mean, obvious one. That's too easy. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be somebody a, else.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't know. Can, can we expand this to
0: former Brewers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Former brewer, any,
2: any Brewer ever. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, I think Bob Euchre then would make a, a uh, great host. That's a good – that's 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 an answer <laughs> I didn't think about. I was so focused on Brent Suter. I was trying to think of players. It's like, well, Jason Kendall would look too mean. No one would want to answer questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Orlando RC might be funny but Sophia Menert would have to be there to so they'd have to be a package yeah. deal and Something... Also
2: Ned Yost actually would probably Ooh. be a good one as well. He he has a lot of uh random knowledge and, and good knowledge there. Very smart dude. I think he'd make for for a great uh, either host or contestant.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting. If we're doing managers, Ken Maka would be I would I would fall asleep watching. I think contestants would get bored. That no, manages... no.
2: Ken Maka, you gotta kick him off the TV, kick him out of the dugout, <laughs> kick him out of everywhere.
0: <laughs> we're okay we're okay with no no Ken Maka in the dugout or or on Jeopardy. Gasper, I think it would be unfair to bring you on and to not ask you about your boy, Corbin Burns, because you've been the Corbin Burns for mm-hmm. Cy Young guy for the last two years. And on Saturday, that, even though they lost, that, that idea, that concept, that potential became very real. What do you think of your boy on Saturday?
2: Yeah, Saturday was a great day for the brand. Uh, it really was. So, I mean, him going toe-to-toe there with Jose Barrios, just back and forth, six no-hit innings, and just his pitching was just beautiful. Um, the the way they were moving, the way he was getting ugly swings all game long, um, it was it was just incredible to watch. It it was so much fun, and you know just with the stuff that he has. I mean, he's worked on his curveball and, and improved that for this year. Worked on the changeup, improved that. He's got a 92 mile an hour changeup. Yeah, that, that's harder than Brent Suter even throws his fastball. Like it's completely unfair. Uh, some of the pitches that he's throwing, and it was just. So beautiful to watch, really. And if he's got that kind of stuff going every single start, I mean, it is going to be a cakewalk to the Cy Young. It's not actually going to be that for the whole year, but if he's got that every single night, he's not going to have that type of stuff every single night. Um, But I mean, with with the type of uh, of stuff that he has with his pitches, I mean, it's so difficult to to get a hit off him and. You know, there, there's just a lot of good things coming from Corbin Burns. And I, I was watching MLB Network today, and Mark DeRosa gave a, a Roy Holiday comp yeah. on Corbin Burns, which I found very interesting, and I am very much uh, a fan of. So uh, that that would be very exciting to see.
0: I always think of that rotation in Philly that had Halliday, Cliff Lee, and Hamels. And that really cool, like, Sports Illustrated cover. Remember when fighting necklaces were, like, the thing? Where, like, you needed one oh, of yeah. those? yeah,
2: I, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had one of those. <laughs>
0: oh, i I pretty sure I still do, but I remember being in school. It's like, well, the cool kids had the braided ones, the fancy ones. I just had the simple black. I was oh, a yeah. simple man. But I always think when I think Halliday, I think of that rotation. You mentioned it's really hard to hit, right? He had 11 strikeouts on Saturday. Um, Berrios had 12. I mean, it was awesome. But 11 strikeouts. This is something I brought up last week, and I want your thoughts on. Burns and Woody have great stuff, and they both strike out a ton of hitters. But something that I've been considering and thinking about: how does a pitcher like Woody or Burns find a balance between striking out every batter they face, while also, you know, saving themselves a little bit and, and pitching the contact here and there? Because you got to remember that the Brewers spent a bunch of money on a couple more Gold Glove free agents this offseason. Like they have the defense. How does a pitcher like Burns find the balance of trying to mow down every pitcher and, and or excuse me, batter he faces? while also remembering, like, I I don't have to do this all alone. Like, I got a good defense behind me.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something that I don't think Burns or Woodruff, for that matter, really necessarily have to do. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice. And and Burns had that uh, fifth inning out there where he threw just 10 pitches and uh, was able to get out of the inning and and had a few ground balls and got out of it quickly. But, you know, for – guys like that with the type of stuff that they have they don't necessarily need to be trying to pitch to contact because their stuff is just so electric you know i mean they could be trying them they're putting stuff in the plate but guys are just missing it um so there's really kind of you know not much you really need to change there and and they're finding success with it and you know burns pitch count really wasn't obscenely high you know had he kept it going i mean he probably could have gone you know eight innings or so at least before you even hit 100 and yeah you know if council was was up for that he probably could have given him a complete game if he kept the the no-no going but yeah it, it's just kind of those guys just have their stuff as electric as it is it's it's all designed to miss bats and, and miss barrels and you know as long as you're missing bats and, and you're not giving up a whole bunch of hits, I think they're doing just fine.
0: Well, and to be fair to Corbin Burns, like, last year at times, and two years ago, especially early last season, like, he was laboring. Like, it seemed like he was putting all of this effort into trying to be perfect and throw the perfect pitch, and he was working hard. Now it doesn't seem like that. It seems like it's coming much more easily, even if he's working to strike out all these hitters. So I... I'm not saying that he needs to change how he pitches. God, no. It's just something interesting that I was thinking about, and I I wanted your perspective. As a Corbin Burns guy, I know he's your boy, David Gasper reviewing the brew. Let's talk about the offense. I I mean, I'm just going to come out and ask it. I know it's only been three days, but this this idea is an extension from last summer, too. When when do we get to the point where we start to have concerns about Keston here and the actual level that he's going to reach as a player? And I know we're only three games in, but it was the same way... Last summer, like, when is he going to turn from this exciting prospect to a consistent producer for this Brewers offense? Because he hasn't made it there yet, and I'm starting to get concerned.
2: Yeah, and, and I had an article go up yesterday about Kesson here and if we should be worrying um, about him, and, and I'm not worried yet. Um, I don't think uh, we need to be at the moment. And, I mean, yeah, he had a rough year last year, and, and there are some concerns in, in his sophomore season. And, I mean, this is going to be a big year for Kesson, no doubt. I mean, it's his third year in the big leagues. The pitchers adjusted to him last year. Now he has to adjust back. But not only is he going to have to adjust to them, he's adjusting to a new defensive position. So, I mean, he's learning there at first base as well, and that's also taking up a lot of time mentally for him. So he's probably not able to spend as much time mentally on hitting as he's used to. So that can you know that kind of a, a position change on the fly. You know we're still learning a new position on the fly. That can impact a player on offense. It, it impacted Avicel Garcia a little bit last year, switching over to to center field, and I think it's it's impacting cura a little bit as well because he's learning a completely new position, and he's not he's not fully established in the big leagues yet either. So uh, he's he's trying to establish himself at. A new position. He's trying to establish himself as a hitter. So, I mean, it's a lot that that's on him for sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we we do need to give him some time. It's been three games. It's far too early to really be concerned. Um, if it's a month or two from now and, and he's still not hitting, you know, then maybe we can be a bit more concerned about what he's going to be this season. Because, I mean, really having a bad first month to start the year and not being able to work your way out of it. Uh, that can put a player in a big mental downward spiral. We saw that with Travis Shaw back in 2019, and it's very difficult to get out of. So, I mean, yeah, it's important that he hits relatively soon and gets himself into a bit of a groove, Um, but I'm not worried yet. It's just three games. You know, if this was the middle of July and he had an 0 for 11 stretch, no one would really bat an eye, but since it's the beginning of the year, uh, there's a lot more concern than I think there needs to be.
0: Well, and, and it has only been three games. And you know I wouldn't bring this up if if he was insane last summer. But he wasn't. Like, right. he would hit home runs at PNC, by and large, in games that were really decided or didn't really matter. And that was about it. So, like, through three games, I, I would never make this a talking point if I didn't have last summer in my mind. But then again, last summer, in a lot of ways, to me, just doesn't count. Like, we should erase that season altogether. I think it comes down to, Gasper, really quickly. I, I think this offense comes down to whether Yelich and, and Hira can produce runs. Because I think the ancillary pieces are there. Wong, Jackie Bradley Jr., Lorenzo Cain. Those guys are great, but if their big boppers aren't driving in runs, it's just going to be a lot of what we saw for the last couple of days. Guys getting on base and and little run-producing moments here and there, but they're never going to get the big numbers and they're never going to put up big runs if it doesn't come through those big run producers, right? Like, do, do I have this offense kind of figured out correctly?
2: Right, yeah. Yelich and Hero are really the two main guys of the offense. They got Hero back in the two-spot in the lineup today. But, yeah, the the offense is mainly going to be running through those two guys. And Yelich was looking uh, a bit more like himself. He came up at big there on opening day, and, and he's had some hits. Uh, Hira, yeah, he's looked a bit uh, worse. But, you know, it, it really is going to run through those two guys. And, you know, maybe they're hoping that Travis Shaw can get back to his 2017-2018 form. And, you know, so far it's looking pretty good on that front. Um so the, there's a lot that, that can happen with this offense. But, yeah, it yeah. really does kind of run through Yellich and Hira. They're, they're the two core pieces uh, to, to really kind of keep that thing moving.
0: By the way, before I let you go, David Gasper, I got a tweet from uh, Tyler and Menominee. He says, T-plush for a Jeopardy host. I forgot about that. That might not be bad.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, T-plush would be awesome as a host. But, oh, man, that. He had so many fun interviews there in 2011. It was just, it was the greatest thing.
0: I don't know. Could you keep him on script? That would be my like. That dude was always going off the wall. That would be my one concern. Just dropping stuff. Yeah, he
2: might be more. He might be better fit for a different game show. (laughs) Some yeah, some that's a bit of a a different style.
0: He'd go on ridiculousness with Rob Deerdick. I bet that would be a great combo.
2: Yes. Yeah, that that. would be that would be a great one.
0: (laughs) Well. Gasper, I appreciate your time. Enjoy Brewers Cubs tonight, and hopefully in a week or two when we talk next, like, hero will get it going, this offense will get it going, and, you know, we don't. I, I think last summer, like, looms large in our mind, which is why this weekend was especially frustrating, but last summer doesn't count. Hopefully they score some runs, and next time we chat, we'll, we'll be in a better state of mind. I appreciate you. Thanks. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, good series here against the Cubs, and it's the Kuna Matata
0: from there. Amen. Appreciate you, Gasper. Be well. All uh, right, yeah, thanks, man. You too. David Gasper, reviewing the brew. D Gasper, 24 on Twitter. T Plush is a Jeopardy host. That was a pull. How did I forget about um, Niger Morgan? Maybe not the most classically trained actor. Maybe not the most polished performer. But the energy would be there. Can't doubt that. Let's take a break. Hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next.